0: Welcome to the official podcast for the Society of Urodynamics, Female Pelvic Medicine, and Urogenital Reconstruction. Here you will find podcasts highlighting clinically relevant topics, ongoing SUFU initiatives, SUFU member highlights, and much, much more. Hello, and welcome to the SUFU Fellows Journal Club podcast. I'm Jacqueline Boer, And I'm Grace Har. Today we'll review two important studies, the Thomas study and the JAMA oncology regarding vaginal estrogen in breast cancer survivors.
1: So today we're revisiting a landmark study in the field of female urology, retropubic versus transobturator miniurethral slings for stress incontinence by Richter et al uh, for the urinary incontinence treatment network published on New England Journal of Medicine in 2010. AKA Thomas short for trial of midurethral slings why are we still talking about this study 13 or 14 years later well thomas or trial of midurethral slings compared two surgical techniques for female stress urinary incontinence the retropubic and the transobturator midurethral slings to this day stress urinary incontinence still impacts 40 to 50% of adult women and poses a significant social personal medical and economic burden despite this it's still largely underreported and undertreated. Retropubic meteorithal slings for urinary incontinence were introduced in nineteen ninety six. While less invasive than existing options like burge cosplay suspension and pubovaginal slings, it still had some complications like avoiding dysfunction from excessive tension uh, and bladder, bowel, or vascular injuries, last two luckily rare. The transobturator sling placed through the obturator foramina. Was developed to minimize retropubic injuries, but raised questions about its efficacy and potential nerve injury risk. Which brings us to Thomas. Until Thomas, we only had smaller, underpowered studies to compare the two approaches. What were the methods? Thomas is a multi-multi center randomized equivalence trial comparing the 12 month efficacy and safety of retropubic and transobturator midurethral flings. In an equivalence trial, the aim is not to establish the superiority of one treatment over another, but to prove that they are similarly effective within a set equivalence margin. The study included patients over 21 years old planning to undergo surgery for female stress incontinence. They needed to have at least three months' history of urinary incontinence symptoms, either pure uh, stress incontinence or stress predominant mixed incontinence, and a positive stress test at a bladder volume of 300 cc's or less. Patients were excluded if they were pregnant or had a history of neurogenic bladder, pelvic radiation, urethral diverticulum, or prior synthetic sling. Consenting participants were randomized to write for pubic or transobturator sling after anesthesia induction. After the surgery, they were not blinded to what surgery they had. Notably, the study maintained standardized protocols for evaluation and key surgical elements across all nine participating centers. The pubic sling used was the tension-free vaginal tape or TVT, which is a bottom-up approach. And for the transoperator sling, either TVDO the in-out, or the Monarch out-in slings were used. The surgeons had to state their choice before they started the study. The primary outcome uh, was a composite measure of success defined using measurements from both objective and quote-unquote subjective sources. Objective success was defined as a negative provocative stress test, a negative 24-hour pad test, and no retreatment for stress incontinence. Subjective success, Involved the absence of self-reported symptoms of stress-type urinary incontinence on the mesta questionnaire, no leakage recorded in a three-day voiding diary, and again no retreatment. Patients were also asked about the satisfaction rates uh, and also other elements of quality of life. The Thomas study randomized five hundred ninety-seven patients, and ninety-five percent of them completed a twelve-month assessment. The patients were an average fifty. Three years old. Almost 80% non-Hispanic eighty percent were non- Hispanic white. Seventy percent were postmenopausal. Almost ninety percent had at least one vaginal delivery, and thirteen percent had a prior incontinence procedure. Pre-op symptoms varied, with a median of two point seven urge uh, sorry stress incontinence episodes a day, and a median of twelve milliliters of urine uh, loss on their pad test. So, what did they find? The objective success rates were. 808 for retropubic and 77.7% for trans meeting the predefined equivalence criteria. Subjective success rates were 62% uh, for the retropubic and 56 for the trans-obturator, uh, and the difference was uh, 6.7 perc- 6.4% with a 95% confidence interval of minus 1.6 to plus 14.3 percent. This included the 12 uh, percent mark for equivalence, meaning that the study didn't prove that the two slings were the same. It didn't prove that they were different either, since the 95 percent confidence interval for the difference included the zero percent mark. Now, onto complications. The retropubic sling group had a higher rate of bladder perforations, five percent, or corrected during the procedure itself. And more voiding dysfunction requiring surgery, 2.7% versus zero in the transobturator. On the other hand, the transobturator group experienced a higher frequency of neurologic symptoms, namely leg weakness, 9.4% versus the 4% in the retropubic group. Interestingly, satisfaction rates from the patient's perspective were comparable and both were high. 86% in the retropubic group and 90% in a trans group, uh, reported, reported being mostly or completely satisfied with the result of their surgery. The, the study team went on to publish two and five-year follow-up studies, Albo al. at uh, 2012 uh, and Kenton et al. at 2015, both published in the Journal of Urology. Uh, In these studies, success rates were lower with time and symptoms were worse, but they never returned to baseline. Absolute satisfaction rates remained high at five years and were comparable between the slings with uh, 79% satisfaction rate with the retropubic and 85% satisfaction rate with the transobturator. Okay, on for the discussion. Well, first, a nod to the achievement that is Thomas. It's a large, prospective, multi-center trial in a surgical field that's now no small feat. For 43 surgeons from nine different centers to agree on standardized protocols is admirable, uh, and as is the commitment of the study participants. So, well done. Uh, Now, let's discuss the findings. Objective success was equivalent between the slings subjective was not equivalent but also not different what does it clinically mean well first looking at the numbers the differences are really not that large three percentage point differences in objective success and 6.4 percent in subjective success and when you look at the five-year follow-up it's up to eight percent difference um if uh, the, even if these were success, statistically significant, uh, you have to ask yourself, would they be practice changing? Um, importantly, what the authors defined as subjective success is actually a very strict criterion of being totally dry on questionnaires and diaries. If we're really looking for a truly subjective definition of success that reflects patient bother and quality of life, we should probably look uh, at what they measured as patient satisfaction and these were much higher comparable between the slings, right? We had uh, at the one year, 86% for the retropubic and 90% for the transobturator. Um a longer follow-up, there are Kaplan-Meier curves and those kind of continue to diverge. Uh, again, we are never able to show equivalence on the longer term, but also never significant enough to prove the superiority of the retropubic sling. Um, complications were different between the slings. Looking at all the three publications, retropubic had more in op uh, bladder perforations. That's not an issue when we identify and correct it during surgery. Uh, they also had more postoperative voiding dysfunction, more urgency incontinence and UTIs. Uh, those are likely due to high risk for retropubic slings to become partially obstructive. The transobturator approach, given its placement, led to more neurological symptoms in the groin and lower extremity. So in conclusion, Thomas' study showed us that patients treated with slings for stress urinary incontinence generally generally fare very well. Uh, While efficacy may dip over time, it significantly outperforms the pre-sling status even after five years. Comparing the slings, the study failed to prove equivalence. Retropubic may have done better, but this wasn't statistically significant. Any potential benefits of retropubic over transobturator are subtle. And the choice between them may boil down to differing complications profile, um, more avoiding dysfunction in the retropubic versus more leg weakness in the transoptery. Well, almost 14 years later, midurethral slings uh, are still the leading procedures for female stress and incontinence. Uh, and the retropubic versus transoptery debate is very much alive. And while Thomas hasn't settled this debate. It did provide us with top quality evidence and continues to receive citations and add to to discussions in 2024. So it also shows that despite our us surgeons being somewhat particular individuals, when we venture out to collaborate, it's really worth our effort. Um,
0: Thank you. Excellent review, Grace. and so the next article I will be discussing is Vaginal Estrogen Therapy Use in Survival in Females with Breast Cancer by McVicker et al. This was published in JAMA Oncology in November, 2023. Many females with breast cancer experience symptoms of genitourinary syndrome of menopause for which vaginal estrogen is an effective treatment. The objective of this study is to determine whether the risk of breast cancer mortality was higher in females with breast cancer who used vaginal estrogen therapy versus females who did not use hormone replacement therapy. Two large cohorts were analyzed, one in Scotland and one in Wales. Females aged 40 to 79 with newly diagnosed breast cancer according to ICD-10 code were identified from registries in Scotland from 2010 to 2017 and in Wales from 2000 to 2016. Patients were excluded if they were previously diagnosed with other invasive cancers. The primary outcome of time to breast cancer specific mortality was identified from national mortality records. Cancer registry records provided stage, grade, treatment, and hormone receptor status. Tamoxifen, aromatase inhibitor, and other medications used were identified from prescribing or dispensing records. Vaginal estrogen use was ascertained from general practitioner prescribing records for the patients in Wales and from the pharmacy records for the patients in Scotland. In the primary analysis, patients were followed up from six months after cancer diagnosis to breast cancer specific mortality. The exposure was modeled as a single time varying variable into the following categories. Systemic hormone replacement therapy, with or without vaginal estrogen, vaginal estrogen therapy alone, and no hormone replacement therapy. Analysis were conducted by number of prescriptions, and separately for higher dose vaginal estrogens, time-dependent Cox proportional hazard regression models were used to calculate hazard ratios and a 95% confidence interval for breast cancer-specific mortality, comparing vaginal estrogen therapy users with hormone replacement therapy non-users, and adjusted for confounders. Two-sided p less than 0.05 indicated statistical significance. For the results, the two cohorts comprised 49,237 females with breast cancer. There were 5,795 breast cancer-specific deaths. There was a median duration of follow-up of eight years in the Wales cohort and five years in the Scotland cohort. Overall, 5% of females, 2,551, used vaginal estrogen therapy after diagnosis and 1%, 556, received systemic hormone replacement therapy. There was no evidence of higher risk breast cancer specific mortality in those who used vaginal estrogen therapy compared with those who used no hormone replacement therapy. In particular, no increased risks were observed after restricting the model to females with estrogen receptor positive breast cancer or females using aromatase inhibitors. On to the discussion. In this large cohort, There was no evidence that vaginal estrogen therapy was associated with increased risk of early breast cancer-specific mortality in patients who received vaginal estrogen therapy compared with those who had not received hormone replacement therapy. These results are similar to a Danish study that observed no association between vaginal estrogen therapy and cancer recurrence. However, they did observe in that study an increase in recurrence, but not mortality, in users of both vaginal estrogen cream and aromatase inhibitors. Although this current study did not specifically study recurrence rates, they observed no evidence of increase in breast cancer specific mortality in this aromatase inhibitor subgroup. Limitations of this study include the short duration of follow-up which does not allow for the investigation of later breast cancer specific mortality. In conclusion, the findings of this study may provide some reassurance to prescribing clinicians and supports national guidelines that vaginal estrogen therapy can be considered for genitourinary symptoms if non-hormonal treatments are unsuccessful. Remember, we can always consult the patient's oncologist when considering these therapies. I personally like to use Prasterone or DAGA in patients' on aromatase inhibitors, and I have found in messaging with the patient's oncologist that they are okay with this as well. Thank you for joining us today, and tune in next time for another SuFu podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the SuFu podcast. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast streaming app. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter with our handle at SuFuOrg, where we'll provide real-time updates of our next podcast episode launch. And be sure to check us out on our website, www.sufuorg.com.